0: Strange Brews is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Since 1988, Goose Island has constantly innovated how and what they brew and introduced numerous award-winning beers, including their barrel-aged stouts and ales. Goose Island to what's next. That's at gooseisland.com.
1: To borrow a phrase is something we know it when we see it. It is reviewed on a case-by-case basis.
0: Come on, Joe, let's have that beer, Get right away, sir. Why do you want that beer so bad? Because he's thirsty, dummy.
1: Cheap beer and a sympathetic ear. Step right up. What kind
2: of beer? What kind of beer do you like? Dad, Bob broke your beer. so I didn't. Doug broke it. From WBEZ Chicago, this is the Strange Brews Podcast. I'm Andrew Gill. This episode, we follow up on our investigation into small town breweries alcoholic root beer. On the last episode, we looked into claims founder and brewer Tim Kovac has made about how not your father's root beer is brewed. To recap, this comment from Adam Baverick sums up the general reaction to some of their brewing claims.
3: Yeah, that's just not accurate, because science.
2: Then I had a bunch of beer aficionados taste the drink, including the guy who created the Cicerone program, and they all said it tasted like soda. It is, to me, really a soda.
3: It's super sweet. I mean, it's sweet like a soda. That's sort of classic modern root beer. I
2: mean, I think if you were to blind taste this or blind smell it up against uh, hires and dads and a number of those root beers, you'd sort of find it's pretty much right in, in line with those, those flavor characteristics. And then I asked a VP at Pabst, who recently took over distribution of Not Your Father's Root Beer, to respond to all of this. And he said,
0: Not Your Father's Root Beer is brewed. It's fermented. It's carbonated. Um, and hop like any other craft beer with spices and flavoring added at different points throughout the process. So it, it absolutely is a beer.
2: In fact, Small Town Brewery has consistently gone out of their way to insist that the product is a beer, not a flavored malt beverage like Smirnoff Ice or Mike's Hard Lemonade. We sent a bottle of Not Your Father's Root Beer to a lab for analysis, and we'll get to the results of that later in the show. But when a product like this provokes so much scrutiny, why does its maker bother arguing with skeptical beer geeks like me? Is it just about marketing and business, or could there be a legal reason to prefer a label of beer instead of flavored malt beverage? I spoke with Tim Hauga at the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau, to learn more about the legal definition of a beer.
1: I'm from the government, and I like to abbreviate things.
2: He explained there are loads of conflicting legal definitions of beer and malt beverages.
1: Unlike the Internal Revenue Code, the FAA Act, the Federal Alcohol Administration Act, defines malt beverages as being made specifically from malted barley and hops. That is not a requirement in order to be considered a beer under the Internal Revenue Code.
2: And that's just for the federal government. That's not even counting states. So, this is where the issue becomes clear as mud. For tax purposes, beer is a catch all term that includes flavored malt beverages. But for labeling purposes, malt beverage is the more generic term. In fact, not your father's root beer is self classified as malt beverages specialties flavored. But not so fast. Most of my favorite craft beers labels have the same classification. Just Google cola registry if you don't believe me.
1: If the product contains 5% alcohol by volume, no more than 49% of the overall alcohol content of the finished product can come from those added flavors or non-beverage ingredients.
2: So for a 5% flavored malt beverage, almost half of that alcohol can come from the added flavoring. Not a hard bar for brewers of real beer to meet.
1: And once you go above 6% alcohol by volume, the percentage of alcohol that you can get from those added flavors or non-beverage ingredients drops down to 1.5% of the volume.
2: So once you hit 6% ABV, you have to be much more careful about where the alcohol comes from since only 1.5% of it can come from flavorings. Again, not much of a problem for a real brewer, but for an FMB, it could require a whole new game plan. And just for the record, the not your father's root beer we're talking about here is 5.9% ABV. As for label requirements?
1: An FMB has to list alcohol by volume. Beers are federally not required to do so. Flavored malt beverages, on the other hand, must list that alcohol content. And they also have to have a statement that basically describes what the product is.
2: Most beers list their ABV and describe what's in the bottle, so they're safely within the law here. However, I do find it interesting that products registered as malt beverages are allowed to use other terms to describe themselves. For instance, on the Not Your Father's label, the description reads, beer with natural vanilla extract, other natural and artificial flavors, and caramel color. So small town may be guilty of printing misleading information on their label, but it's an industry-wide practice that comes from trying to bridge the definitions of beer and malt beverage in the tax code and the labeling code. Okay, we're almost out of the mud. But one final question. What makes something a malt beverage?
1: The FAA Act defines malt beverages as being made specifically from malted
2: barley and hops. So this is one of the charges I've heard against Not Your Father's Root Beer. I can't taste any hops, so it shouldn't count as a beer. I've seen others speculate that small town must add an infinitesimal amount of hops just to qualify as beer. But how much is enough for the feds? Tom Haug says... To borrow
1: a phrase is something we know it when we see it. There is no set standard for how much hop or how much malt barley needs to be in the product. Um, It is reviewed on a case-by-case basis.
2: The beer industry has developed in such a way that vagueness is the norm. It looks like small town has their bases covered as long as the feds see malted barley and hops inside their bottle. After a quick break, we'll look at what a lab found inside that bottle and try to determine how it was made. Strange Brews is supported by Audible with 180,000 titles to choose from. There's plenty to keep beer lovers happy. One crazy beer book that I just found is by Tom Robbins and it's called Bee is for Beer and it seems to be a children's book. Um, but as you know, Tom Robbins uh, and children don't really mix that well. So uh, check it out if you're interested. You can get a free audiobook on us. Audiblepodcast.com slash Bruise is where you go to sign up. And you can try Audible for free. We're also supported by Jake Melnick's Corner Tap. It's a neighborhood craft beer bar in River North with over 50 tap lines They've been voted Best Hot Wings in Chicago several times. They make slow-smoked barbecue and hand-packed burgers, and craft cocktails are on tap. It's a great spot to grab a bite and watch the game. Jake Melnick's in Chicago's River North neighborhood. We're back and ready to look at the results from the White Labs analysis of Not Your Father's Root Beer. Hello, it's Chris. I caught Chris White on his cell phone at the airport.
0: So we thought we would look at two things, the uh, gas chromatograph um, of a sample and a, a fermentation trial with the sugar that is in there.
2: Now, Chris is a busy man, but he volunteered his lab to run these tests, even though this kind of forensic work is not what they normally use the lab for.
0: Samples are almost always supplied by the, by the manufacturer. By knowing some of the data about the product, you can better make decisions on, you know, how to improve it.
2: The first thing White Labs did was take readings of the beverage. They looked for signs of hops by taking a bitterness reading, but something threw off their instruments. It came back as 121 IBU, a common reading for a double IPA. Chris says this indicates some compound in the beer was interfering with the test. Not uncommon. They also found 330 calories in the 12-ounce bottle.
0: That's pretty high for a beer.
2: For all the brewers listening, the gravity of the beer was 1.015. That means there were lots of sugars still in the beverage that hadn't been converted to alcohol.
0: So we looked at if those sugars uh, were fermentable, and they really weren't.
2: That can mean a few things. They could have added artificial sweeteners or compounds like potassium sorbate that prevent yeast from eating sugars. Or they could have done what Matthew Peets, a food scientist and owner of Inland Island Yeast Labs in Colorado, theorized. He explained to me that yeast can't eat large sugar molecules. So the brewers could have used special techniques to keep the sugars from getting small enough for the yeast to eat.
3: They could do stuff like if they mashed too short of a period of time. Because during the mash, you're breaking down sugars into the smaller units. If you shorten that time, you can keep all of them larger. Or if you increase the heat, you can keep all of them larger.
2: So there are a few theories for how so much sweetness wound up in the root beer. Some underhanded, and others like Matthew Pete's theory based on wizard-like brewing skills. Back at White Labs, Chris's team put the root beer through something called a gas chromatograph.
0: You take some of the volatile compounds from the liquid phase into the gas phase. On uh, The gas chromatograph you measure a lot of compounds in very small amounts. And there's a kind of a characteristic set of compounds yeast make in fermentation.
2: With the root beer broken down to component parts, a food scientist can look for compounds that show evidence of yeast fermenting sugars in the substance. And what do you know? The Not Your Father's Root Beer sample was consistent with beer.
0: There are a lot of different compounds you could look at. We chose the ones that are produced by yeast in a beer fermentation to see if it would look like a beer. And there's nothing there That tells me it's not. uh, It looks like a uh, typical fermentation compound.
2: I share the results with Matthew Peets, and here's his take.
3: A fermentation appears to have occurred, and if they pasteurized it, they might, or if they boiled it afterwards, I would imagine those things would have been evaporated off, especially the methanol, because it's the smallest of the alcohols, so it's very volatile, meaning it boils really easy.
2: So, there's no smoking gun placing Not Your Father's Root beer in the flavored malt beverage box in our lab results. But there are other tests you could perform that might find a sign. They're just a little more expensive and a little more time-consuming. That'll be Bart Watson's problem come this January. He's chief economist at the Brewers Association. They're the industry group that promotes craft brewing as a bastion of innovation and authenticity.
3: We'll be evaluating all breweries for inclusion in the 2015 data set in 2016, and I'm sure we can talk about some of the things that will be considered there, but namely we'll be evaluating small town on um, is their product or products, um, are they 50% beer or are they not, such as an FMB or a PAB, um, and what's the ownership stake by um, non-craft brewers, if any.
2: He says if they determine Not Your Father's Root Beer is a flavored malt beverage, they won't include small town in their list of craft brewers. And while that won't have any legal repercussions for Tim Kovac and company, it would undermine their entire marketing strategy. Watson was eager to see my findings to give their investigation a jumpstart. He says this is extremely uncommon for his work.
3: You know, we've never really had to go that far down the rabbit hole in doing this, so you know it's possible we would use a new method that we haven't used in the past. But you know, I think we'd have our technical team look at it. You know, evaluate whether they think the product um, could be produced in a, in a way that's traditional for making beer. Um, so you know, not distilling down a malt um, liquor, uh, but rather brewing it and then adding flavorings, and uh, we'd go from there.
2: So take heart, dear listener. Even if the feds have a murky approach to the question of what is beer and what is not the Brewers Association, takes the matter very seriously. Their ruling should shed some light on the matter in January of 2016. This week I got a lot of help producing Strange Brews from Trisha Bobita. Special thanks to Jason Saldana, Matthew Weddergreen, and especially Frank Conrad. If you'd like to see the lab results yourself, visit our website at wbez.org slash strangebrews. We'll be posting PDFs there. And as always, if you'd like an official Strange Brews fan number, you can request one by emailing strangebrews at wbez.org. We love getting stars and reviews in iTunes or any place where you listen to this show, so please get on that this weekend. And as always, Strange Brews is a production of WBEZ Chicago Public Media. Like us on Facebook at Strange Brews Pod, use the hashtag Strange Brews to get our attention on Twitter, or follow me at Andrew Gill. You can subscribe to this and all of our podcasts in iTunes. You can also like WBEZ on Facebook and Twitter at WBEZ. Find more information about this and all our podcasts at WBEZ.org. Chicago Public Media creates award winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, our world, and beer drinkers like you. More information is available at Chicago Public Media dot org